right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy, Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me as always is Gabe Gums. We have a very special guest on with us right now. Uh, her name is Brittany, and she is going to introduce herself. Um, I actually came across Brittany on LinkedIn. She had a trending post that really sparked my interest because uh, we're, we're in a, a very dark place as a world right now, and it's really nice to see a dark story turn into a very bright story. Um, so, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. It was really, really great to meet you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate being here and being able <laughs> to talk about whatever you would like me to talk about. So, Absolutely. Um, if you can just kind of open things up for the listeners, who you are, where you came from. I mean, if you just want to spill your story here, let's let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, uh, I guess in the professional terms, I'm Sergeant First Class Brittany Conley. I'm with the South Carolina Army National Guard as a senior recruiter in upstate South Carolina. I have been a part of the National Guard going on 13 years this August. And before I was a recruiter, I spent about eight years as a broadcast specialist. Basically, I was a news media journalist for the military and was able to tell the story of whatever organization I was with at the time. Um, I originally enlisted in the Oregon Army National Guard in 2007. So I've been around. Um, I know I'm here in South Carolina. This is actually the fourth state that I've worked with. Um, I've been with Oregon, Washington State, and South Dakota in Afghanistan. So I've been a little bit all over the place, experiencing yeah. different cultures um, that I've been able to bring back to my soldiers and my community with my experience in that aspect. But as you guys have seen my LinkedIn posts that went viral, it's, I, you know, that's, the military is great and all, that's part of my story, but that's not like my beginnings, right? So. Right. Um, you know, my initial post, I think it was like my third post ever on LinkedIn, you know, it's not making it look easy, right? Is every once in a while <laughs> you just like look at LinkedIn and just kind of see what's going on. Maybe look at jobs available. And I recently graduated from Purdue Global University with my bachelor's degree in communications. And I was just super grateful because it's been a long path to get my degree you know, I'm a mom of two kids and I have a full-time job and I've been all over the place. So there's no like a straight line path in getting a degree. And, no. you know, the initial part of being able to get it was the education benefits from being a part of the National Guard. So, you know, I made a post like, hey, I graduated and I'm so grateful because if you look at the beginning of my life, it could have totally just, you know, been up in flames. <laughs> right. It could have been somewhere completely different had I not joined the National Guard. So I just, you know, had this super, you know, grateful day and was like, I'll just make a post about it. And here I am a week and a half later with nine and a half million views and more messages than I can count or keep up with in comments. So it's just <laughs> been kind of a whirlwind of a week, but you know, I mean, I guess that's social media for you. And here yeah. I am right now. <laughs> super exciting. I mean, it's got to be just surreal to, to experience that. And how's your family doing right now with it all? I guess fine. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I did have some apprehensions at first, just due to the fact that you get so many views and messages. And I was really concerned about my own privacy. Um, right. you know, I don't want people, especially with Facebook, Facebook's a lot more common of being able to link 
who your family is and how to contact them, even with it super locked down. And, you know, even though I didn't have the, I guess, the perfect family picture that most people want to think of, you know, America being, you know, suburbia and all that stuff, smiling, happy family, (laughs) um, you know, and posting something like that, that's a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I was really worried that people would contact my dad, um, first of all. And um, me and my father right now aren't really on, we're not on speaking terms because of his uh, mental health and stuff. So it's just better that we're kind of separated in that aspect. So I was super worried. I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to contact him and start asking him weird questions and stuff because, you know, he wants his own privacy as well. And so I actually deactivated my Facebook and Instagram for about a week. And I went on to one of my soldiers Facebook just to like see what would pop up on the search bar. If I put my name in, it said Brittany Conley, South Carolina, Brittany Conley, National Guard. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> People yeah. were definitely trying to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to be able to kind of make that centralized on LinkedIn if people really did want to contact me for any reason. So that was like, uh, I was super worried about that at first. And yeah. I called, I did call my stepmom. Um, I call her my mom now. And just to kind of let her know, like, hey, just so you know, I don't think anybody's going to contact you because your last name has changed because she got remarried and stuff. But just let you know, this is out there. And she told me she was proud of me, Uh, you know, just like, hey, that's your story to tell. Like, you definitely are in a great place from when you were before. So I know that she was fine with it. And then my birth mom, she passed away two years ago from breast cancer. So I don't don't worry about that. Yeah. (laughs) you know, with that, that part of my story. So yeah, it was, they're fine. My husband's fine with it. He listened uh, to the first podcast interview I did that definitely dove in a lot of the history with my dad. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's been good. I mean, it's been very centralized on LinkedIn. So I'm glad <laughs> that right. everything's been there and not anywhere else so far. So hopefully yeah. it's that way. <laughs> what, what kind of intrigued you to write the post? I mean, obviously it's celebratory to you graduating, but there had to be something deeper there. Um, were you trying to try to, you know, reach out to others that were maybe in a, sh- a similar path or that were struggling? Maybe you'd wanted to inspire to kind of show, Hey, look, I did this. In, in some aspects, but I'm a recruiter for the national guard. I got my degree because I'm in the national guard. So I really wanted to kind of highlight that, there are other options for people out there who are seeking to improve themselves, either be their education or trying to have that stable organization and stuff that can help you in those avenues to kind of like develop yourself as a person. So that was kind of my main reason was, Hey, it's my recruiter. I'm a recruiter on LinkedIn. I'm going to put this on there because that's how that's my story. I just didn't realize that it was going to blow up. Because, I mean, I guess everybody loves a comeuppance story. You know, it's a good feeling type of thing. But I guess I just didn't realize it would go farther than maybe the people that I was connected with. And you never know who is going to look up the National Guard or look up for military service. My name pops up for Greenville County in South Carolina. And they might be able to see that and want to contact me, ask me more questions. So it was more of a, a, I guess, a branding thing than anything to me when I initially posted. But then when people started obviously commenting on it and it went viral, it kind of made me realize that 
there are a lot of people that probably were in my situation, um, you know, kind of those parallel timelines or parallel story that could utilize that or who may be in a position in their life that they could kind of see, oh, well, it worked for this person. So obviously it's definitely developed into something else since I, my original reasoning for posting it. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did this, what I, what I appreciate about your story obviously is, is the, the human aspect of the story. And one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show, it's, it's a, you know, it's entitled privacy, please. There's a lot of folks in, in our profession, that is to say in, in the security and privacy profession, they, they post a lot more on LinkedIn than maybe folks like yourself. And they don't usually get this level of attention. And there are a lot of unintended consequences with, with any, what sometimes seems to be benign activity, right? It's relatively benign anyway. And so, from someone who has now experienced it firsthand, from a privacy perspective, what have you maybe done differently or how do you think about your online presence differently now than you did before that post? So I'm, I have a hobby and it's bodybuilding and I was an online coach and I've trained people to do bodybuilding shows and just personal training and general transformation uh, you know, body transformation. And I have an Instagram and it has about 15,000 followers on it. And I've had it for several years. And when this post blew up, even though there are people in the military, let's say you had uh, the Miss America was won by someone who's an army reservist. Um, you've had, there's a company commander who's been on like a bodybuilding magazine and stuff. But for me as a recruiter and kind of being I am like the face of the National Guard because of my visibility in the community as a recruiter. I was really concerned about the perception of having a fitness Instagram that does show some of my body, right? Because that's kind of the selling point is, hey, same thing with my post on LinkedIn. If I can do it, you can do it too. And I you know, immediately deactivated my Instagram because I didn't want people to be detracted from what my story was on LinkedIn versus what I do as a hobby for bodybuilding, because sometimes those don't align. Now, fitness in the military, they do align, right? You have to be in physical shape to be able to do the job. But I don't want people to think, well, her story isn't as important of getting her education because she does A, B, and C in this avenue. So it definitely made me think in the time in this last week and a half about how people would perceive me and me being a professional as a recruiter in the military versus a professional in the fitness world, because sometimes they don't always align. And I didn't want anybody to, you know, really get detracted from the message that I was trying to send on the LinkedIn post. So, yeah, I mean, I, it definitely makes me at first I had to have a lot of soul searching, I guess, you know, me like, do I really want to keep my Instagram? Should I just delete it instead of just deactivating it? Is this something that I really want to do in the future? And I actually ended up reactivating it recently uh, and just kind of telling people on there, hey, I've been gone for a week. This is the reason why I shared the post of the LinkedIn post. And then just getting some of my followers to message me in, you know, kind of motivating and giving me positive reinforcement that I can do both was really helpful. But at the same time, I still have those concerns because I don't know what my future holds as a professional in the military world as a active guard reservist. I'm active duty from the National Guard and 
I could resign from my position at any time to pursue a civilian sector job if I wanted. I'm not locked into being AGR because I'm AGR. I'm locked into the National Guard in my contract. So let's say that tomorrow I got a position in another company and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put my resignation in as AGR. My contract with the Guard would still be another three years as a reservist instead of active duty. So that's my thing is like, do I want to keep my fitness thing if I want to open up the opportunity for being with other organizations who may not feel the same way about someone having a fitness profile that the military does? Because the military is pretty pro, like they're okay with it. It's fine. It doesn't detract. It's not like I'm trying to like have an OnlyFans or something crazy like that, right? So it's not, I'm doing things in a way that still works for the military, but is it going to work for another professional organization? Is it going to work for an agency that is still a federal agency that maybe works with the national security? Are they going to be okay with it if I'm no longer working and I'm not in uniform, right? I can be in a business suit, but it's not necessarily a requirement for me to be physically fit for my job. Right. So I, I've had a lot of, I'm just trying to figure out what would be the best. And I bet a lot of people feel the same way if they have hobbies that may not align with their current organization. And how do you want to, how do you want to be perceived? What is your online persona supposed to be? So it's been a lot of like trying to think about how I want, I want to be seen that way, but bodybuilding has been a part of my life for eight years. You can search my name on Google and my competition photos show up. Brittany Conley shows you all the, you know, competitions I've won and my pictures and everything. So, I mean, can I really get away from that now? Can I delete it and not people see it? Or are they just not see the personal photos, right, of transformation photos that I have on my Instagram? Mm -hmm. Is it more professional to have a bodybuilding image? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. And I think what I hear you, if I had to boil it all down, it's we're not one-dimensional human beings and privacy isn't one-dimensional in that, in that respect either. And, and understanding how the worlds can collide even inadvertently is something that as professionals, we should always be thinking about to some degree, if not a large degree. Um, I, I can respect that quite a bit. I, I, I have a tiny bit of an online persona myself, if you would. And uh, I, I do keep it curated just to the, the professional aspects of my life, but I happen to not be a big fan of, of social media in the first place. So that's, um, that, that's more of a, a personal preference. My, my first interactions when, when things like Facebook came around was to look at it and go, but why would you want to do that? I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing all the time. Like, really? Like, seems bad. Yeah. All these years later and people are like, maybe it's not that great. So, um, but it's interesting to hear that, that you may even be considering changing some of those behaviors, but at least being more conscious of, of how that's reflected to others. And, and, you know, you mentioned being a mom and so forth. And, and these are things that we always wrestle with teaching kids. It's how to safely use those, those, uh, those platforms while preserving their own privacy. Uh, so that's, right. that, 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 that's a great takeaway from, from that aspect. Yeah. So let's switch things to National Guard, military, data privacy. When I don't know if this is something that, you know, you think about or that you guys think about in your organization, but um, when you hear the term data privacy, what does that come to mind for you personally and for the National Guard? I have two different perspectives on it from two different career paths that I've been on. Okay. Now, as a recruiter, 
I deal with people's information all the time, not only their medical history and their medical documents, if that's something that I need, but their social security number and their birth certificates and all that. And I have to safeguard that as a person in like a file or on my computer and all that information on the journalist side of it. It came the difference between a nipper and zipper computer. What information are you sending on, you know, online digitally to people based off what the mission is? And as a army journalist and public affairs specialist, it's a lot of stuff is need to know. So you may be in a, a uh, operating center and they're telling you about the mission going on so that you can understand what your what story that you're going to talk about, who you need to talk to. But it comes to the point, too, is that I might get information about a mission like personnel, like how many are going to be there, who's going to be there, when we're landing, when we're going to be on the helicopter and all that stuff. The military really relies on individual people themselves to protect that information because it becomes a liability for the organization if that information is shared. So sometimes that stuff it is isn't even shared over, um, you know, a computer and that type of data. It's you're really making sure the people that you're talking to have the correct security clearance get, to get that information. And then you have to ensure that person understands that if they talk to anybody else, they need to, that it's a need to know basis. So I kind of have like two different views of it of how you share information depending on if it's classified or not classified versus people's personal information when I'm trying to enlist people into the military and that information is required. Because we make copies of birth certificates and social security cards because it has to be uploaded in the system right. as like this you know main computer system that we have called iPerms that saves all of that so that we can get to it at any time. But like you're making copies of things in your office, you got to get a shredder and then you have to make sure that you have a a secure tunnel when and encryptions and emails and all that stuff. So it's important to protect people's privacy and their data because the worst thing that could happen is someone, you know, break into my storefront and go through files that weren't shredded of these copy documents, right? Because then you get identity theft issues or even, I don't know, someone leaving their tablet computer in their car and their car gets broken into. And if you're able to get onto that computer, you could have, you know, at least 100 applicants information on that computer. So it becomes an issue with that, too. If uh, You got to make sure that the recruiter all the way from the lowest level all the way up to state uh, understands what's at stake when you're dealing with people's information. Yeah, that's it's super interesting because, you know, you think about the military, it's very, I would imagine it's very overprotected and the information is very, very uh, private. So you're saying that most of the time, <clears throat> critical missions and stuff like that, that's all through voice, usually probably in person if they can, right? There's yeah. no kind of technology or documents or anything. They try to keep it pretty uh, non-electronic. <laughs> yeah, it's probably smart. Can, yeah. I mean, it's like, if let's say for right control duty, right? you're telling your soldiers, hey, you need to report this time, but they're not telling them where they're going over that text message, that phone call. They're just saying, hey, you need to be at the armory at this time for riot duty. That's it. That's all they know. Uh, So many times as a journalist, when you're talking about missions and going to certain locations and transportation, I would learn a lot of information, 
but I could go to a private in a unit and they'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just doing what I'm told. <laughs> they have no <laughs> idea what's going on because it's a need to know basis. Um, especially when dealing, especially on deployments and you're doing mission sets, you don't need, everyone doesn't need to know what's going on until you're already there. Um, and then you can give, give that briefing about what's about to happen because just even in Afghanistan or Iraq or Kuwait, you have access to the internet and everybody has access to the social media. The worst thing a soldier could do is get on the pick and on mission, be back in three days, right? When you have all these, you know, enemy combatants in the area who are trying to find out troop movement so that they can plant IEDs, right? Or get, you know, enemy personnel in a certain area to try to like shoot at a helicopter flying by and all that stuff. So you don't need, they don't need that information. And that's also why they black out entire bases when someone dies, because you don't want that information to get on the internet because it's happened before for someone's family to find out or just be stressed out because like, oh, someone passed away, but they're not telling us. And they're trying to contact all this command overseas to figure out who it is instead of kind of going through the process to be able to you know, identify who the service member is and being able to let their family know. So you really have to like, you know, restrict information to the lowest level just to protect people's, the information and the mission. And it really becomes a security thing. Um, even with, you know, people, other national guard states going to a different location for riot duty. We don't need to be spreading that information because it puts their lives at risk um, as well. You know, just that movement and, and it happens here in the States as well. We got to make sure that our, our soldiers are safe and our service members are safe when they're completing missions. That's great. I'm curious, what do you think, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way um, to get where you are now? I know how important the, the National Guard is to you. What, what are the best resources that have helped you that kind of might be influential to, to others that are going down your same path or might have the same thought? Obviously, I mean, the first thing, if anybody's got interest in joining a military service thankfully here in 2020 we have the internet and literally everything can be fact-checked with the information about what's available to them but i think the biggest thing for me especially when i initially enlisted or was thinking about enlisting into the military was just talking to somebody who's already in because those are the first people that are going to give you the information and resources that you need in that organization is going to be a recruiter or your friend who's referring you to a recruiter because they're going to be able to have that firsthand knowledge and know all the benefits that are going to be available to a new soldier in the National Guard. And yeah, I mean, when I first enlisted, I didn't I didn't know what the National Guard was. And I think I grew up in Oregon. Oregon's not super military friendly. Uh, especially during that time, we just went into Iraq in like 2003. We'd kind of been in Afghanistan for a while. I remember as a freshman in uh, 2003, I marched with my entire school to the city hall to protest the Iraq war. My geography teacher, um, her son was killed in action in the first wave. So we did it in support for her. So obviously like that was kind of like a community thing was against that type of stuff. So I didn't have the knowledge or the information about military services to join when I was in high school. Now it's a lot more common to have recruiters in the school, in the classes, not only like teaching about what the National Guard is, but 
a lot of times we'll go in and just do like financial classes or, hey, this is how much college is. Do you have a plan? Um, kind of getting that first exposure is a lot more common now than it was when I first enlisted. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, there's just within the National Guard, there's just a lot of safety nets for soldiers in case, you know, life happens. You know, it just does. Sometimes you could lose your job or, I don't know, your landlord wants to, you know, sell their house or wants to move back into their own house. And then you're having a hard time, you know, maybe you weren't planning for it, right? You didn't have a deposit for a new place. You can get emergency funds from the organization to help you with that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out there that organization organization does to ensure their soldiers are taken care of because, even though you only drill one week in a month, right? You still have to show up. And if your soldiers are not being fed, they don't have somewhere to live and they don't have a job, then they're not going to be a whole lot worth the organization because they're going to be worried about other stuff and trying to make sure that their lives are in order. So we have all of these things within the National Guard to make sure that soldiers have those basic needs to, you know, to get through, you know, their life. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many different programs. I don't even think I could list them all off right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no worries. Yeah. That was great. So I got a question. I don't know you can answer it or not, but what do you think, a, a, a like the number one common myth about your profession or field, um, that you can debunk? <laughs> that we, uh, that every soldier kills people. That's <laughs> probably the biggest one. There you go. Really? Like, I don't know how many times I've had a high schooler and doesn't matter if it was Oregon or Washington State or South Carolina. They will ask me as a recruiter or a female soldier in a non-combat job, have I killed people or have I, did I shoot anybody on deployment? Um, the thing is, is that as a soldier, as an army soldier, we all train to shoot guns right? That's like a basic qualification that you need to have because you never know here in the States or overseas if, you know, basically shit's going to hit the fan and you need to be able to pull the trigger, right? So we're all trained on that basic thing, but we all enlist for a very specific job. So, you know, that's one thing that like, hey, if you enlist as a cook and you go overseas, you're probably not going to leave the base to go do any infantry stuff because that's not your job. Your job is to man the chow hall, right? And make sure the soldiers in your unit are fed. As a journalist, sure, I think I had had two weapons. I had a pistol and a a assault rifle, but I also had my camera, right? Um, So I was out with the infantry and the cab scouts and the field artillery guys out on missions, what we call outside the wire, but my job was to document and get stories and interviews and sound bites and create a B-roll package um, to be able to submit to news agencies and stuff. So my job wasn't to shoot at people if they shot at me. I had all the infantry guys around me. That's what their job was. The yeah. thing is, is that combat arms is a very, very, very small portion of the military. And the majority of the jobs are support roles. You got admin and supply, you know, all the logistics, and you have IT Um, People, you know, protecting information, making sure that anything that we do is in support of our contingency missions. So you have to have all those roles to have the army to operate because you don't just you can't send, I don't know, a platoon of infantry guys somewhere. And that's it. That's done. Like, well, they also need water and food and, you know, sanitary stuff like showers and maybe some 
at least a shovel to dig a hole so they can use the restroom, you know, (laughs) they had to have all these things and they can't get them without other people in the organization to do it. So that's like, it obviously kind of rubs me the wrong way because it happens more often than not. Um, And you get people who are interested in joining and they hear army and soldier and that's their first thing to think about. And I have to talk to parents about it too. I'm like, no, no, no. All right. Your son's trying to enjoy as a cybersecurity specialist. He's about to go to school for a year to do cybersecurity. And then he's going to be somewhere with air conditioning with a bunch of computers and never leave. I promise you, he's not (laughs) going anywhere to hurt anybody. Right. So and that's like the majority of the army or any military service. They just that's not the intent. Right. Okay. So, air especially here in the National Guard. <laughs> air conditioning. I didn't get that in five, my first year of cybersecurity. <laughs> in a basement. No AC. You, you said something in, 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 your last, uh, in, in your last response that I found interesting, though, which is, you know, everyone in the, in, in the service is responsible for security and privacy to some degree, whether it is protecting troop movements, et cetera. Um, and you have IT staff specifically for that. One of the things that comes up quite often in our civilian life is articulated and explaining to everyone inside of the business that privacy and security is everyone's job, not just the guy in the room with the computers in the, in the AC. So do you think that is anything there that translates particularly well from the activities that that you are trained on and specifically do to ensure that you're always top of mind in, in terms of, yes, we have to protect things versus what, you know, civilians kind of take those things for, ah, that's someone else's job. Well, as a recruiter in my computer, I get alerts every day. I get this <laughs> lovely thing every time I turn on that says, hey, is one, is your computer healthy? Have you done your updates on it? And then if you don't encrypt an email, you get like 10 naughty emails back about how you didn't do the right thing because there may be some PII on it. And so you constantly have to think about um, that, especially with the information that you get in person. But it's definitely like, especially with operation, it's called OPSEC in the military with operational security information. It is ground into you every single day. Like, hey, don't post this on Facebook. Got it. Hey, don't text this about this. Um, so it's making sure everybody always understands all the time. It's not like a passive thing because it's a, it really truly is a security issue with um, troop movement. But when it comes to the data, all of our computer systems you know, will alert you. Um, and then you'd have different computer systems for different information, the nipper and the zipper as well. So if you're in that type of position, you have to know which computer to use and then know that you're not supposed to take the zipper computer home and put it on your own personal network, that type of stuff. You get what we call AUPs, right? So you have to read all the information that you're agreeing to about how to utilize that type of um, computer system and what you're allowed to like the do and don'ts of it. Um, And you have to agree to that information in every any 25 Bravo IT specialist is going to be hounding you about it. And then shoot, there's a bunch of memes out there and jokes, but every year we have to take a cyber awareness challenge. And for a good 10 years, it was the same one. So you're just sitting there for an hour clicking through it. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to see this uh, guy again. Um, but they recently redid it to make it more, because you know things have changed a lot 
in the world of the interwebs um, and how we utilize certain social media platforms. And so they've changed it. But we have to do a certificate every single year, the entire force. It's not just people who use the computers. It's literally everybody from the private all the way up to the sergeant major and officers and everything. You can't use the computer systems without a current certificate, an AUP signed. So it's, you know, they really ensure that people are aware because of the information that we have to protect as an organization uh, and just all the information. And it's one of the things I always joke with my applicants and recruits. Hey, remember your social security number because everyone's going to ask you in the organization. Literally, like anywhere you go. Hey, what's your last four? Hey, what's your last four? And so you have to know this information because that's how they look you up. Uh, good thing happened about eight years ago, they finally took our social security numbers off our ID cards. Like we used to have that on there. So eventually they have kind of gone on par about, you know, we got to protect the information for the whole force, no matter what, and changing even a simple, what would have been, because our social security number is our ID number, but now we have a DOD ID number they can look up. So um, yeah, it's just something that is always, you have to be on top of it. It's just something, it's, you spend a whole drill weekend doing it every year to make sure that you're aware of the uh, data privacy that we have as an organization and protecting your own information as well. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. One last serious question for you, and we'll dive into our last segment where we can have a little more fun. If you were in my shoes, our shoes, Gabe and I, uh, what would you have asked yourself that we didn't? Can you reword that? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, um, is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't ask you about or bring up? Okay. Um, anything that uh, you want to come across as thought leadership or help to those that are maybe in your shoes or um, any advice for someone getting in that want to go into the National Guard or into the military that is a woman um, or a man, it doesn't matter. Um, but any advice that you want to give them that, I think, and yes, so, <laughs> and I'll just kind of retract this back to my LinkedIn post yeah. and things that I've always talked about. I'm, as you guys have probably realized, I'm very open and pretty brutally honest um, about a lot of things. And I feel that if we as a community we're open to communicating with each other about the hardships that we're going through. It would help. It would help people along that path. Uh, you know, I, if I hadn't been open about what I was going through as a young adult um, before I even joined the military, I may not have had the friend that I had that helped me, you know, get into the National Guard and help me seek that out. Uh, the biggest thing for me was. I was unable to go to college because I couldn't afford it and I wasn't able to get financial aid and joining the national guard really allowed me to have those education benefits so I can make that choice to get an education. And that's just like the first thing is that you really just, it's not, there's nothing wrong with telling your story. And if people are going to judge you negatively because of how you grew up and stuff, then I mean, why are you even talking to them in the first place? <laughs> so, uh, right. Because I feel like I'll kind of, how do I explain it? So, but do we see, we don't see that when we're younger though. We don't, we don't. Especially and, if we want to look up to them. Right. And, right. Yeah. And I mean, I think everybody has gone through 
really significant issues in their life. I mean, it's just, just like the LinkedIn post or uh, your profile picture. You don't look at someone's picture and think, oh yeah, they had a hard life. Like, oh, it's a really professional picture. Right. I'm like, well, a lot about this stuff in this organization. <laughs> I'm going to meet, you know, they're not being like, oh, well, this is what I did to get to where I'm at. And I think everybody has a story and everybody should be more open to talking about their story because maybe their story will light that fire or help them get connected with the right people to assist them. Um, You know, constantly hiding behind what could be perceived as a really negative past. I don't think your past truly defines you as a person because we can all develop and change for the better of our community. And if we don't tell those stories, how do we really improve as people in a community and country, if we're not talking about the things that we went through to get to where we're at today. Yeah. I mean, it's who we, it's, I mean, any kind of failure um, that you go through, if you don't learn how to grow from it, then you're just going to keep digging deeper. Right. And you don't really realize that until you're a little older, but some people catch on quicker than others. But if you grow from your mistakes, that's how you get better. That's how you get to where you are to that professional picture instead of, one where you're in high school playing beer pong or something that you shouldn't have probably right. put up. I was talking to oh, high school beer pong. <laughs> hey, that's when it was fun, right? When you're when it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to one of my recruiters um, just recently about everything that's been going on the last few weeks to try to get his perspective on things. And I know that wasn't really political, and this is not political by any means. But something that I kind of want to touch on is that I grew up in Oregon and Oregon is very primarily white. I didn't Mm -hmm. have anybody in my school. I think I had like maybe two or three kids in my high school that were African-American and being from Oregon um, because of the community. And I don't know if this is just out of ignorance. A lot of people are raised to be scared of black men. And then I came into the military and very, very diverse organization. And obviously that's going to change based off the interactions. And I really wanted his perspective as a black man about everything that's going on, just so that I could understand why people may feel a certain way. And he just says that, you know, if we don't talk about things as a community, nothing's going to ever change because nobody really truly understands the other person's perspective. And when I first came to South Carolina, he had asked me if I carried. I mean, that's a pretty common thing in the military. If you're a military person, a lot of people have their concealed. And I just never did. I never felt the need to. My husband does, but I never personally felt the need to. And he looked at me, he's like, I feel like I need to all the time because of his background, who he come from as a black man. And at first I didn't really understand that. And it kind of made me realize that sometimes how we're raised from either the lack thereof or the ignorance is that we typically have these biases about certain people or certain things, but that's because we don't talk about it. We don't, we don't sit down to truly understand another person's perspective. And I feel like that if we sat down more as a community and a country to do that, it'd be a lot easier to talk about these things. Because me at 32, it sucks to admit, yeah, I used to be scared of black people. Like, and I had no idea why I felt that way or who taught that to me, but I did. 
but I didn't, wasn't able to develop as a person until I joined the military and it was in an organization that was as diverse. Like now I'm like, I have no, I have no idea why I felt that way. So I think it's really important that we need to talk about our stories and where we come from. And that way we could help each other because we can't help each other if we don't know what's going on. You're, you're, you couldn't be more right. We have to get a bit more comfortable being uncomfortable. Very yep. comfortable being uncomfortable. So thank you very much for sharing your story. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you so much. That was really, really good. So let's have a little couple fun questions. So I'm going to throw this out here. I think I already know your answer because you kind of touched on a little bit, and I'm glad. But bodybuilding or CrossFit? So I'm going to say bodybuilding because the CrossFit CEO is a douche right now. So I don't think I want to align myself in that avenue. <laughs> you say right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's always been. Let's oh, right. Yeah. That's, well, that, yeah. It's just now it's like widely yeah. known everywhere instead of just <laughs> the community itself. So. Full disclosure, yeah. Cam is a certified personal trainer. <laughs> I am, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm totally on the, uh, I love the bodybuilding side, but I love, I love just like anything else. I love kind of mixing in different things. I'm not just one in the fitness world. I love to kind of mix and match because you heard about your love of beer pong. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's that could, Hey, if it's a keg, you can turn it into a workout. Anyways, <laughs> what's your biggest pet peeve? I don't know. Hard one. <laughs> I mean, I'm one of those people who like cannot stand mouth noises. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with like, you. Okay, it, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to literally like remove myself from the table. It, and so people who chew with their mouth open <sighs> is like really probably the biggest pet because I already hate mouth noises. Like you could be sitting next to me chewing with your mouth closed and I'm still just like sitting there twitching a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, the open mouth, like full on conversation, talking to you, chewing things. <laughs> Those people are why we can't have nice things in society. <laughs> <laughs> <Think> about this. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and what what time would you go to? Oh, that's really hard because I think of it as a perspective of my gender, and I feel like any time but now would suck. <laughs> so, but <laughs> I mean, if I like, I agree. Me, yeah, I'm just like. <laughs> Anytime but now, like really, if I wanted to have like a good life or perspective of what's going on, but I'm like really kind of, if I were to pick up like a fiction book, I would probably be reading something that's like in the early 1800s, maybe even like Victorian times and stuff. Cause I find that okay. really fascinating on like the nonfiction side. So I really like people's brains and how they think that life would be like in those scenarios. So I think I would just kind of want to not dive into that time but look through a window <laughs> um do you think cats have any regrets cats oh no <laughs> i mean like i have three i don't cats. think so either <laughs> i'm like obsessed with cats but cats like will get on a dresser and like look you in the eye and knock something off they have zero <laughs> regrets <laughs> agreed um they the only thing that they maybe might regret is uh, coming over closer to someone that doesn't like cats. No, no, they don't. Are you a cat fan, Gabe? I actually am. I'm, I'm okay. kind of a cat fan. I've had more than my fair share coming up on closer. I don't have any at the moment, but um, yeah, if you ever get a chance, it's not a plug, not affiliated. 
but you should check out how to tell if your cat is plotting to kill you by the oatmeal. It's a fabulous <laughs> comic. And the answer to the to that question is yes, your cat is plotting to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll have to check it out. All right, Brittany, <clears throat> what is your favorite toy from your childhood that you can remember? Pogs. Pogs, yes. See? <laughs> I knew it. I, I mentioned that on my last podcast because it was one that I used. Thank you. They came and went very, very quickly. Yeah, I know. I and was it, just talking about the other day. I'm like, where did Pogs go? <laughs> it's funny because we're actually the same age. So that, that makes perfect sense. I don't know if Gabe ever remembered those, but. I do uh, remember them, actually. I'm, I'm not. Okay. He's in that. Although, they, uh, <laughs> the answer to the question, where did Pogs go? The same place that, that uh, fidget spinners go. They're, they're in the same warehouse waiting for <laughs> a comeback. Somewhere they're going to make years. a comeback. They'll make yes. a comeback. <laughs> I guarantee that. All right, last one. I think this is this kind of would fit well with you, Brittany. If, if you could pick uh, any kind of superhero to be, who would it be and why? Oh. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be Marvel. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I don't know, that one's hard. I mean, like, I think my first inclination to say, be, say, Wonder Woman, but I've always been partial to Batman because Batman doesn't actually have any power except being rich and being yeah. able to afford super things. But, like, I think the intelligence aspect of it is definitely something that I am about, you know, yeah. like the whole invention part of it. But um, I think just being a woman, obviously a Wonder Woman, like, you know, go female power and all that. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Batman's probably one of my favorites just because he's like a normal human, but he's also super smart. And yes. He's pretty awesome looking, let's be honest. <laughs> Except, have you noticed when he's in his costume, like the actors, they can't move their head. So it's their neck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they, they made adjustments to Christian Bales, I'm pretty sure. I think they kind of turn it. Redefine the suit. Yeah. <laughs> Give the the other ones they were like, <laughs> they were like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and telling your story and and just talking with us privacy guys. And and I just think it's great to to have someone like you on. And I, I really wish you the best of luck in your career. And maybe you'll come on again one day. You never know. And is there anywhere that anyone can follow you that you want them to follow you on LinkedIn and stuff like that? I mean, LinkedIn, sure. I mean, if people care about fitness, they can look me up on Instagram. It's coach underscore Conley. So I'm about that, obviously. It's talked about it. Fun, fun fact, there's actually a significant number of both uh, bodybuilders, deadlifters, and martial artists in this InfoSec world. So some of those folks may just take you up on that. There's, there's a healthy right. number of them. I, I shamelessly hey, plug all of them. We're out there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll let them, I'll let them come find you. It's, it's just a healthy number of them, including uh, a decent number of women in InfoSec that also deadlift. So awesome. yeah, you, you, you might just find them hitting you up. Awesome. So thanks so much, Brittany. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Be safe. Take care now. Cheers. Tuning in to Privacy Please. This podcast is brought to you by Spirion, protecting what matters most. Join us next week and every week as we delve into the intriguing world of security and privacy. You can email us at privacyplease at spirion.com and hit us up on our Twitter at privacyplsp.
P-O-D. If you want to read more into these topics, check out our blogs on Spirion.com. Again, I'm Cameron Ivey, an all-around decent guy. Until next time.